So now we come to the second noble truth, the noble truth of the origin of suffering, or the noble truth of the cause of suffering. So Buddha did not discover that everything in the world is suffering, but he, he also discovered the cause of this suffering. Now it is important for all beings to get rid of suffering. We, we, we don't like suffering and we always want to get free from suffering. But when we want to get free from suffering, we must know what causes this suffering. Suffering is all, all already here and we cannot just crush it. So if we want to get free from suffering, we must know what causes this suffering. Until we know the cause of suffering, we will not, we will not get free from suffering. We will not get anything uh, to get free from suffering. Like a disease, right? A person has a disease, and if the doctor doesn't know what causes this disease, he cannot cure it. Only curing the symptoms is not, not the real answer. So you must deal with or, or treat the cause of that disease. So in the same way, now we have this disease of suffering. Then we want to get rid of this disease. Then what must we do? We must first find out what causes this disease. And when that cause is found and destroyed, then the disease will disappear. So this is in, in this logic that uh, we must understand the second noble truth, the noble truth of the origin of suffering. It is said that Buddhas always, always get to the cause and not, not to the effect. Uh, something like, say there is a mango tree. There are mango fruits now. Since they are already fruits and on the trees, we cannot destroy them. Let, let us say we, we want to, we don't want the, the mango fruits. But now they are on the, on the tree and we cannot do anything about, about this. But if we do not want the fruits in the future, we can do something. Say we can put chemicals in the roots and so on, so that uh, the tree loses its, its uh, ability to produce fruits, right? So in that way we can do. So that means we can act on the cause, not on the effect. Because effect is already here and, and we cannot do anything about it. But we can do something about the cause of this, uh, this effect. So when the cause is treated, when the cause is removed, then the effect is also removed. So it is very important that we know the cause of this suffering. So in finding the cause of suffering or in pointing out the cause of suffering, Buddhism stands unique among all religions. Now you, may, you have heard about other religions, right? So they may point out to creation of the God or the Brahma as a cause for everything in the world, right? God created this world or the Brahma, the great Brahma created this world and they, they end there. But in Buddhism, no God, no creator God or Brahma is recognized. 
Instead, Buddha pointed out that this is the cause of suffering. Not, not the creation of the Brahma, not the creation of the God, but this, this craving. This is the cause of suffering. So if we want to get rid of suffering, if we want to destroy suffering, we must destroy the cause of that suffering. And Buddha said, I have <coughs> discovered that cause of suffering. And that cause of suffering is stated as tanha in Pali. And tanha is translated as craving. You crave for something. You long for something. But the word tanha, the literal meaning of the word tanha is thirst. Thirst for sensual objects, thirst for sensual pleasures, and that thirst is called tanha in Pali. But nowadays this word is translated as craving. So Buddha pointed out that the cause of this suffering is tanha, or craving, or attachment. And that tanha is described as producing rebirth. Now you may turn to paragraph 61. Hmm. So you see there, how, how is it said there? Producing rebirth or something. Pono bowa, huh? Pono bowika. Further becoming? Uh -huh. Yeah. So, this, this thirst or tanha or craving produces rebirth. So, whatever rebirth we, we had is the result of this tanha. Now, we had, we had tanha in the past lives, and that tanha produces rebirth here. See, we as human beings. So we are born as human beings because we had tanha in the past. And we still have tanha in this life here. So this tanha will produce or create new rebirth in the future. So in this way it, it goes on like a like chain, chain reaction. It, Tanha here producing tanha, uh, the, the rebirth there, and the tanha there producing rebirth in yet another uh, existence and so on. So this tanha has the ability to produce rebirth. So whatever rebirth we, we had is actually the result of that tanha in the past. So this tanha has the, the power or ability to produce rebirth. Huh? And this tanha is again accompanied by delight or something. Nan, in Pali it is called nandiraga. That means that the delight and attachment is the same as craving. And then the, the last one is, how, how is it translated there? Hmm. Next one. Oh, before that, Tatra Tatra Binandini. 
taking delight in this or that existence. Okay, that means this tanha, wherever a person is reborn, the first active moment in that life is accompanied by tanha. Even if you are born in hell, you, you, you will be attached to that life because of that tanha. So this tanha is uh, take delights in here and there, that means in this life and that life. Where in, in whatever life you are reborn, even, even as a small insect, the first moment, the first active moment in that life is accompanied by that attachment to that life. And that is why we say life is uh, precious to every being or something like that. So even though a person may be a cripple, he is attached to his life, right? He doesn't want to die. So where, wherever a person is reborn, this tanha arises as the first active uh, conscious moment in that life, and that is attachment to that life. And that tanha is said to be of three kinds. Now I want you to understand these three correctly because sometimes the, the translations are, the, just the translation of the word is misleading. So there are three kinds of tanha, and they are in Pali, Kama Tanha, Bhava Tanha, and Vibhava Tanha. I think you can find that in Visodhimaga there, 61. After what are they? Kama Tanha. That's for sense, desire or something. It is said that they, I, I will talk about them later, right? And does he give the chapter number and, and paragraph number where you can find the... So you go to that, chapter 17 and paragraph number also. So go to 235. What do you find there? When this book is applied, it is called craving for sense desire. So there are three kinds of tanha. Kama tanha, bhava tanha, and we bhava tanha. First, it says there are six kinds of tanhas. That is, uh, tanha for visible objects, tanha for sounds, uh, tanha for smells, taste, touch, and dhammas. So there are six kinds of tanhas. Each one of those tanhas can be of three kinds also. So they are kama tanha, bhava tanha, and we bhava tanha. So, how is Kamatana translated there? 235. It is called Kamatana when, when it arises, being delighted with something like that. The first one, craving for... Craving for sense desire. Right, right. Yeah, that, that is the one. So, that is Kamatana. Huh? So, craving for sense desire. Actually, craving for uh, sense objects. Now, the objects are all called sense objects because they can be seen, they can be heard, they can be smelled, and so on. So everything we, we see, we experience in the world, we can call uh, objects of senses. The object of the eye, object of the ear, and so on. And craving for those objects is called kama tanha. Now, you want a new house, right? 
<laughs> that is karma dana. You want a new car? That is karma dana and so on. <clears throat> because it is craving for the, obje- uh, the, the, the objects of the senses. So you, you are attached to something and you are pleased with that attachment. You are pleased with that thing. So uh, that is called karma dana. And the next one is yeah, that, that is what I don't like. <laughs> the, the, the translation is one thing and the meaning is another. Now you, you read, Father, what, what does it say? Right. Okay. So, Bhava Tanha. Now there are two words, Bhava and Tanha. Now here, Bhava does not mean existence. Bhava here implies something, uh, the, the view that things are permanent. That is why the, the, the same tanha accompanied by this view that things are permanent is called Bhava tanha. It is not, not craving for existence. Because craving for existence can be karma tanha. Existence is also the object of sense. But that karmatana, when it is accompanied by this wrong view, that beings are permanent, that things are permanent, then it is called bhavatana. So bhavatana does not mean craving for existence. But craving accompanied by a wrong view that assumes everything to be permanent. Now there are views like there is an atta in beings, and this Atta is uh, eternal, it is uh, permanent, and so taking that to be permanent is called a wrong view in Buddhism. And the, the Tanha, that, that is accompanied by that wrong view, is called Bhava Tanha. That assumes that all things are permanent, something like that. So that, that Tanha is called Bhava Tanha. The next one? Oh, craving for non-becoming. <laughs> okay. That, that is more frightening. <laughs> Cra- craving. Uh, once I, I gave a book to a man, and then about a week later he came back and said, ah, in Buddhism suicide is okay. Buddha allowed suicide. I was surprised. And I asked him, why, why, why do you see this? And he said, here, Buddha has taught that uh, craving for annihilation. <laughs> so craving for annihilation means craving for suicide. <laughs> so it is okay, <laughs> he said. So here we bhava, tanha means not craving for non-existence. It is the same as the, 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 the second one. Craving that is accompanied by a wrong view that things are annihilated at death. Okay, you, you read Vishuddhimaka. Along with annihilation, being that assumes that same object to break up and be destroyed, is called craving for non-becoming. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, the, the, the translation is not so good, but the, the, the explanation is alright. Yeah? <laughs> the English translation of the word is not so good. So, uh, craving accompanied by the wrong view uh, that assumes uh, things to to break up. 
there are say two kinds of views that are called wrong in Buddhism. So one is the eternity view. That means beings are eternal, things are eternal, and so on. And there is another view that takes beings, one, once they die, they die, and there is no more for them. So when the, the tanha is accompanied by that wrong view, then it is called bhavatanha or vibhavatanha. So it is not craving for existence and it is not craving for non-existence. But it is craving that is accompanied by that wrong view. Eternity view or annihilation view. So that we must understand clearly. So you cannot go by just the translation. Translations are misleading. So there are three kinds of tanha now. Kama tanha, bhava tanha, vibhava tanha. Whatever tanha it is, it will always produce <coughs> rebirth. So that is why it is called rebirth producing. Now actually, it is not only tanha, but along with tanha, we have to understand um, ignorance and karma. So these three arise together and actually produce a new life, a new existence. When we say here tanha, actually this tanha is accompanied by the volition chetana and all uh, chetana or karma, and also accompanied by avijja or ignorance. Now ignorance is like blindfolding a man. No? Say there are three men, and they caught one man, and then one of the men blindfolds the man, and the second man turns this 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 man towards a what do you call a, a, a precipice, say, say at the edge of a mountain, a, a, a big hole there, right? As a mountain. So, and then the third man pushes him down, so something like that. So when a person is said to be reborn in another existence, avijja, ignorance, makes him not see the things as they really are. And then tanha makes him attached to the life, and then karma pushes him down, and then he, he is reborn in the next life. So when there is a next life or rebirth, these three mental factors are working together, actually. Not just tanha, not just karma, not just uh, ignorance. So, so these three are like three, 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 a party of three. So one blindfolds the man, the other turns him to the precipice, and then the last one pushes him down. So in the same way, avijja makes us not see the faults of the life. That is why we are attached to things. Then this attachment to life makes a person who is dying uh, to incline towards the next life. And then Chetana or Kama comes and then and pushes him to the next life. So although Tanha is mentioned here as the cause of, as a cause of Dukkha, we must understand that it is not only Tanha but also 
avijja or ignorance and karma are involved. Tanha is mentioned here because it is prominent, it, it is evident, and so what is evident is mentioned here as the cause. And also, when Tanha arises, according to Abhidhamma, the Chitana also arises and Avijja also arises. They always arise together. So when one is taken, the others are also taken. When we say Tanha, we, we do not take Tanha only. Because suppose there are the three things connected with, with, with a, a, a thread, right? So you pick up one thing and then you, the, the, the other two also uh, comes with the thread. So in the same way, when you say Tanha, we, we just don't mean Tanha only, actually, but Tanha along with the ignorance and the Kama or Chetana. But it is prominent here, and so uh, Tanha only is mentioned here as the cause of suffering. Actually, the, the others are also cause of suffering. Now, Tanha is a cause of suffering. How do we know? Tanha, right? This uh, craving of attachment is the cause of suffering. How do we know? Tan <laughs> uh, I'll give you a very easy example. Uh, it may not it cannot be applied to every every situation, but I think it is very convincing. No, tanha, attachment. Nowadays, or not not nowadays, uh, at any time, people are dying, right? In this city, many people will die today, right? And you go to the hospital, and you you may see many people dying, right? Or sometimes you hear uh, people die in an accident, or Let's say uh, during the earthquake in Kobe, how many people died? Thousands of people died, right? And how did you feel about them? Sorry, huh? how how intense was that sorrow? Uh, not 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 much, right? Okay, if there was someone, is it say if? What if there was a friend of you among those who died? You may suffer a little more, right? Because your, your friend was uh, included in those who are dead, right? And what if there is a relation, relative of yours, right? Or what if there is, say, your father, your mother, or for Corona people, you are your children? How? How would you feel that time? Much more. Huh? Very, very, very sorry for, right? So, now we can consider about this. Why is the difference of intensity of sorrow there? If that sorrow caused by the death of the person, or that sorrow is caused by the attachment to that person, Hmm? 
It is caused by attachment to that person, not just because the person died, right? Many, many people are dying every day and we don't feel almost a, 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 anything about many people. But if the, the person who dies is a friend of ours or relative of ours or someone whom we love dearly, we suffer more, right? So if our sorrow is caused by a death of a person, then we must have the same intensity of sorrow whenever a person dies, right? But now we have different, different levels of different in, uh, uh, degree of intensity of sorrow. Why? Because of our attachment. If we have much attachment to that person, we have much sorrow. If we have little attachment, we have little sorrow. If we have no attachment, we do not have any sorrow, right? So we can find that our sorrow is actually not caused by the death of the person, but it is caused by our attachment to that person who died. So in this way, we can understand that the real culprit of sorrow, I mean uh, suffering, is our attachment. Now, th th this is a, 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 an easy example to understand, although it cannot be applied to everything. Okay, the other thing. Suppose there is a boy and a girl. They are boyfriends and girlfriends. And, and the boy gives a present to the girl. Let, let us say a ring, right? Or something. And then on her birthday, her parents give her another present. Among these two presents, which will cause more attachment to the girl? Huh? <laughs> a present given by the one you love dearly and a present given by a friend, uh, a, an ordinary friend, even though the present may be, may be this, uh, of the same kind, which present means more to you? The one given by the person whom you, whom you dearly love, right? So your attachment there. And suppose that that present is lost and you have sorrow. The loss of which will cause you more sorrow. The loss of one that is given by a dearly loved person or the loss of one that is given by an ordinary person. Yeah, right. Huh? So here also the cause of your sorrow, the intensity of the cause of your sorrow is not the loss of the thing but the attachment you have for that thing. So, in this way also, attachment is the, the cause of suffering and not actually the loss of the thing. And now, about this life and past life. Now, Buddha said that the, the, the cause of suffering or cause of this life is tanha or attachment. Now, mind has great power. You cannot see the mind. Huh? Mind has no body, right? Mind has no substance. But it has great power. Do you realize that? 
Mind has great power. Suppose this hand, right? This hand is matter. So it is heavy, heavier than mind, right? We, we cannot say mind is light or whatever, but we cannot uh, measure the mind. But this, this hand is a heavy one, right? And I put it down here. If I don't want to move, it will not move. But when I want to move, it moves, right? So the movement is caused by my mind or my desire. If I don't have any desire to move, it will stay put, right? It will not, not move. So you see, mind has this power, even to move the material thing here. In the same way, mind, the mental state in our mind, the, the karma, has power to produce results. Now, today you, you offer us food. So when you offer us food, your intention is for us to, to eat, right? You want us to eat, you want us to be uh, satisfied, you want us to, let's say, enjoy the food. That is your chitana, right? So that chitana has power to give results. So when it gives results, it, the results will come to you because it is your chitana. So you get the same the same results, that you, you will get abundant of uh, food and so on in this life or in future lives, right? So th th that mental state has a power to produce. Suppose a person is in the habit of killing living beings. So killing living being means he wants that being uh, to live a short life. He wants to cut off his, his life, right? So he has the desire for him, for the, let's say, animal. Huh? Uh, he wants, he has the desire for the animal to live a short life. So his desire, or his, in, in the, the volition at that time, gives results. Since his wish is for the life to be short, the result produced is a short life. But unfortunately, this result come, comes back to him and not to other person because it is his, his chitana uh, or his karma. So that is why it is said that uh, um, people who uh, kill living beings when they are reborn as human beings live a short life. So karma, the, the mental state, has this power. Although we cannot see the karma, right? Buddha could see, see the karma clearly, we, we cannot see. Although we cannot see the karma, we can guess in this way that karma has a great power. So whatever we do, there is the chitana of volition in our mind, and this chitana can produce results. And when it produces results, uh, the results are mostly uh, of the same kind. Say so you want the other uh, being to, to have a short life, and then the result is you will have a short life. You want the other person to live long, and the result is you will live long, and so on. So this mind has this great power to produce results. So we are always attached to our lives. 
We don't want to die, right? We want to live as long as we can. Uh, if we can, we, can, we want to live forever. So there is attachment. And also we have attachment uh, to be reborn as a celestial being, to be reborn in the world of be, uh, devas and so on. And so those uh, mental states produce results. So we can understand, although we do not see them clearly, uh, uh, like on a screen, we can understand that this life is the, actually the result of my karma in the past, my attachment to, the, to life in the past. So in this way we can understand the second noble truth. This life is dukkha, and the cause of this life, dukkha, is the, the attachment in, in the previous lives. So in this way, we can understand the second noble truth. This life is dukkha. Yeah, this life is dukkha, right? And the cause of this life is attachment in previous... Uh, attachment we, we experience in previous lives. Not attachment for previous lives, right? Attachment that arose in previous lives. So in this way, we, we understand the second noble truth, the noble truth of the origin of suffering. During the practice of Vipassana, sometimes there may be moments of understanding in this way, especially during the the stage of seeing the causes. Pachya, it is called Pachya Parigaha, comprehension of the causes. But you need to have some knowledge of the, the, the books to, to understand that. Now when you, when, you, when you make notes of the objects, you can come to the understanding that because there is an, there is an object, there is a noting. If there is no object, there is no noting. Now suppose you, are, you, are, you, you have a wandering mind, and then you are making notes as wandering, 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 and then wandering disappears. The moment wandering disappears, the noting mind also disappears. Now there is no noting mind, noting of the, the wandering. There's another, another mind noting another thing. So you see, the cause-effect relationship between these objects and your mind. Because you want to move, there is moving, right? So the moving of the hand comes about because there is the mind to, uh, to move. So because if I have no desire to move, there will be no movement. So this connection as cause and effect you see through practice of vipassana meditation. And then you may contemplate as just as the, everything has a cause. There is nothing that, that, that arises without a cause. So just as everything has a cause, my, my life, my this life must have a cause. And that could be none other than the attachment that I had. In, in the previous lives. So in this way you can, you can see or you can understand the second noble truth while practicing vipassana meditation. Not, not as clearly as Buddha saw, saw it, but still we can understand this.
So this is the second noble truth. And the second noble truth is the noble truth of the origin of suffering. So in order to get rid of suffering, we must get rid of this attachment. We must get rid of the cause. So long as we are unable to cut the cause, there will always be the effects or results. So if we don't want the results, we must cut the cause. So cutting the cause is more important than cutting the results. You, you may, you may uh, pick the mangoes, the every mango on the tree, but so long as the tree is not destroyed, so long as the, the roots are not destroyed, it will be producing mangoes again and again. So if you don't want the mangoes, then you have to treat the tree, you have to treat the roots with some, some chemical so that it loses uh, its ability to produce, uh, to, to, to produce fruits. So in the same way, if we do not want the fruits, as dukkha here, then we have to act upon the cause of this dukkha, which is attachment. So we have to, to get rid of attachment in order to get rid of dukkha, which is the effect of the attachment. So this second dukkha, declaration of this second dukkha is like a physician telling his telling his patient that your disease is caused by something. Or say, I have found the cause of your disease. So once the disease is found, then it, it is uh, possible to treat the disease or to cure the disease. So finding the cause of this disease, finding the cause of the, the, the dukkha, as craving is actually a revolutionary idea in the history of religions. So no religion has ever pointed out that craving is a cause of suffering. So they, when, whenever they try to find the cause, they ended with the creation of the Brahma or the God. So only Buddha taught us that it is not the creation but just this attachment to uh, to sensual things and so on, that is the real cause of suffering. So once the cause of suffering is known, then we can go about doing something so that we can get rid of suffering. So getting rid of suffering really means getting rid of cause of suffering, right? <laughs> that not getting rid of suffering itself, actually getting rid of suffering. So once the, 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 the cause is removed, then the, the effect is also removed. <laughs>